Thanks, Seth, for his encouraging words. You know, there are a lot of, uh, a lot of men who are filled with the Spirit of God. All of, us are, all of us who have confessed Christ and been immersed in the, in the waters of baptism are filled with the Holy Spirit because God gives a hymn to us at that moment. And some of us are filled with God's Word in a powerful way. And I see sometimes when the men come up to speak, to pray, to exhort, to lead in, uh, in the communion service, I can see them brimming with that spirit. And I appreciate that. And I'm hoping to, uh, to find opportunities to allow these uh, men to come and exhort us, men like Tom and and Seth, Michael, and John, and, and others, and Mac, and uh, Trevor, and, uh, and if I haven't mentioned your name, it's not because I don't recognize you. I'm not making a list, but I'm just thinking of men who, uh, who can speak forth the Word of God to encourage us and to exhort us, to build us up, to form us in Christ. And, and, uh, and I assure these men and others who, who, who wish to exercise their gift that uh, it is my uh, intention to help you and to encourage you to do this and to provide opportunities for this so that all of us can be edified. And, I, and I'm encouraged when I hear you edifying each other in this way. And uh, we have many visitors. I, some even came in uh, uh, while we were, uh, after we had begun. We welcome all of you. I see Alexander. I haven't got my glasses on, but I think I see Alexander uh, back there. And it's good to see him. And he's brought some guests with him, I believe. And welcome to you. Um, one thing I didn't mention uh, in my announcements, um, Heather, first of all, are we okay? Are we online? Good. One thing I didn't mention in the announcements was Singspiration. If you're wondering, you know, we've been mentioning this, and you why hasn't he mentioned Singspiration? Singspiration, you know, is next weekend. Believe it or not, we've been talking about it for weeks. It's next weekend, and I'd just like to review the program with you now. Friday night. Uh, Ken Helterbrand, Church Music Institute, song leader, expert, will be here at 7 p.m. to do an intensive workshop for song leaders, people who like to lead singing. Now, it's not only for people who like to lead. I mean, if you just like to sing, that's great. Let's be here for that. But his focus will be to train people to lead singing, the motivation, the idea behind it, the selection of songs. It'll be intensive because we only have one session to do it, Friday night here at 7 p.m. Then on Saturday at 10 o'clock, not here, but in the Verdun congregation, we're having what we call power pack prayer and praise. We don't pray enough. We always say we don't pray enough, but we don't pray enough. Power comes through prayer. God answers prayer. And we don't come together. You know, there's this old thing, you know, prayer meeting. How many remember prayer meetings, right? We used to call them prayer meetings. Yeah. We don't have a lot of prayer meetings today. And because of that, we lack many times power in our collective work as a church. And so we're going to have a prayer meeting in Verdun on Saturday, next Saturday, beginning at 10 o'clock. The Verdun congregation will provide the dinner. They're providing the dinner, babysitting for the kids, activities for the older children. They're doing everything to provide us uh, with, a, with a good day. And Ken Helterbrand will be there along with Richard Jones to provide uh, an inspirational day of prayer and praise. And Ken will lead us in congregational singing, but he'll also teach us how to sing as a congregation. Friday nights for the song leaders. Saturday is for the church. 
the entire church, how to, to sing uh, spirit, how to improve our congregational singing, and also praise and, and prayer. And Brother Richard Jones, who's a fine, fine preacher uh, from Edmond, will be there to give two messages based on the idea of God's glory and God's majesty. If you're wondering, why are we doing this? Because we want to have a better vision of our Lord Jesus Christ. And because we want to improve the way that we honor Him. That's, I have no shame, especially from the pulpit. I never have any shame of my Lord. But especially in this context, I have no shame in exhorting all of you to be there and to share in this day of prayer and praise. The focus will be the Lord and the, the purpose will be to know how to better honor Him in worship and in praise. And then back here on Sunday, again, Richard Jones next Sunday will deliver uh, the, uh, the sermon and the Sunday school class. The teen class will be in here next Sunday as well. And, he, uh, and Ken Helterbrand will lead us you know, everything that we've learned, you know, on Friday and Saturday, we'll be putting into practice here on Sunday. He'll lead the song service. Brother Richard Jones will, uh, will uh, deliver the, uh, the Sunday morning lesson as well as the sermon. And then we'll have a potluck dinner here. Everyone here is welcome uh, to stay. And then in the afternoon, we will have another final congregational singing workshop again, you know, to tie up all the loose ends and to really uh, polish our, the skills that we've had that weekend. And next uh, Sunday, there will not be a Sunday evening uh, uh, worship service. Uh, uh, the, we'll have the afternoon uh, uh, workshop and then we'll dismiss. However, uh, there will be someone here. I will be here and perhaps uh, several brothers, if they wish to accompany me, will be here Sunday evening at 6.30 uh, to make sure that if there are any guests or any people from out of town that happen to visit us, that there will be someone here to welcome them and someone to serve them communion and to see to their needs. However, officially, we'll not have a Sunday evening service uh, uh, next Sunday. Now, because this next weekend um, is devoted to worship, and especially to singing in worship, this morning my lesson has to do with the question, why do we sing? You know, why do we sing? Actually, two questions. The first question is, why do we sing? And the second question is, why do we sing? Someone says, what is he? You know, what's he? He's gone off the deep end here. I want to talk to you about the thing that we do here every Sunday and Wednesday and Sunday night, we sing. You know, have you ever gone into another a church or another uh, type of, of church? I have, you know, I mean, as you know, I was raised a Roman Catholic and that, and, and whenever I bring uh, visitors uh, to, to visit Montreal, I bring them to St. Joseph's Oratory, and you know, it's a wonderful architecture and so on and so forth, and they're amazed by the size of the building and all that. And when they walk into the big chapel, in the chapel is a word, but in the big auditorium at the top, the thing that amazes, especially uh, uh, people that come from the United States, the thing that amazes them is the organ, this humongous organ that's in the back, you know, and especially when it's playing, you know, when it's playing, it just, it just totally fills that auditorium. And I've been in other uh, church buildings where uh, there's a band, you, you walk in, there's a bass guitar, a drum, uh, you know, piano, uh, all kinds of things, and uh, I see it advertised in the newspaper, you know, the idea that there's going to be a big uh, uh, inspirational weekend or something, and so-and-so, uh, and the band will be there, and they've got six, eight-piece band, and so on and so forth. 
And when you come into a church of Christ, no matter where you go, here, Montreal, Toronto, you know, Singapore, wherever you go in the church of Christ, you walk in, and the thing that you notice, the first thing is, is that it's usually very simple and so on and so forth, but you notice that there's no instrument of music anywhere here. And that all the people do is sing when they worship. And that one of the first questions is, how come you don't have an organ? How come you don't have a piano? How come you don't have bands? How come you don't use instruments when you worship God? How come you sing? Why do you sing? Why is that what you do? Well, the answer to that is that we sing when we gather to worship God because the Bible tells us to sing. We have a command from the Bible that tells us what to do. And that command is that when we gather together to worship God, we should sing. I want to show you where the Bible... You know, someone says, well, where does the Bible say that? Well, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's, let's kind of establish our, uh, our basis here. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14, verse 14. In this context, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, and actually the problem was speaking in tongues, the problem was, you know, people were having arguments over spiritual gifts, and so on and so forth, and Paul is explaining to them the proper attitude and the proper procedure in the worship service. And he says to them, "'For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then?' I shall pray with the spirit and I shall pray with the mind also. In other words, we should understand what we're saying when we're praying. And then he says, I shall sing with the spirit and I shall sing with the mind. He says when he worships, when this apostle worships, he prays with the mind and he sings with the mind. In describing the activity of the church when it gathers, Paul says that they sang. That's what they should do, is sing. And then in Ephesians chapter 5, just follow, we'll just go through the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, the verse that Leonard read. Again, Paul is talking now to another group of Christians in Ephesus. And he's saying to them, be careful how you walk. Don't, don't be like the people in the world. There's something different about Christians. There's a lot of things different about Christians, and especially about the Christian religion. The Christian religion and its worship is much different than the pagan religions and their worship. And he wanted to make a distinction between the two. And so he tells them, you know, Christian worship, uh, there's no orgies, there, there are no wild drinking bouts as there were in the pagan religions. And he goes on to describe this idea of, of of, of Christian worship and he says and do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation but be filled with the Spirit and then he describes what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit does it mean you're jumping around does it mean you're getting all excited and rolling on the floor what does it mean you know well he explains what it means to be filled with the Spirit he says speaking to one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God, even the Father. That is what being filled with the Spirit is all about. Exchanging psalms, encouraging one another, using spiritually minded words to express spiritually minded truths, singing to one another, making melody with the heart. That's what Christian religion is all about in the sense of its worship. It's not all that we do. Sure, there are good works and there's the preaching of the gospel and so on and so forth. But when we gather together for the purpose of praise, 
This is what we do for the purpose of praise. Psalms and spiritually minded songs and singing and making melody in the heart. Topic, if you want to know something about what, gather the information. And then Paul says, now to another group of people in Asia Minor, he says to them, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. A completely different set of people in a completely different culture at a completely different time. And what does Paul the Apostle uh, say to these people? When you gather together to praise God, you should exchange psalms and spiritual songs and do what? Sing and make melody in your heart. And then finally, we'll pick another New Testament writer just to make sure that everybody's saying the same thing. We go to James chapter 5. You wouldn't think you'd go to James to, to get a lesson on singing, but in James chapter 5, verse 13, James the Lord's brother, speaking now to a completely different culture. In Colossians, Paul may have been speaking to the Greeks and the Gentiles, but James is a Jew from Jerusalem talking to Jews, and he said to Christian Jews, and he says to them, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing praises. Sing, he says. You want to you praise God and thank Him? How do you do it? What's the natural response? Sing, he says. Sing praises to God. Now, I wanted to show these scriptures to you to demonstrate that we have instructions in the New Testament on what to do when we gather together to praise God. We have commands here. We have a, a, a way to do things which is clearly spelled out. However, not only the, the instruction is clear, but also the word that Paul uses clearly identifies the thing that we should do. And that's, that's Bible study. We don't go, I think, I feel. That's, you know, I think, I feel, you know, is for romance. Not for, you know, I think I, I think I love you. You know, that's, that's for romance, <laughs> okay? That's for modern pop songs, you know. But for Bible study, it requires a little bit more uh, seriousness. You don't go, I think I feel. You go by what it says. You, you find out what the words mean, what they actually mean, before you go ahead to make, quote, doctrine. And so what does the word sing, because the New Testament was written in the Greek, what does the word sing mean in the Greek? Well, the root word that was used in each case here is the word psalo, which is a Greek word which meant to sing, but it meant to sing without the accompaniment of an instrument. There were particular words in the Greek that referred to specific actions, and the word that Paul used in all of these instances was the word psalo, which means to sing without the accompaniment of an instrument. Today we call that a cappella. Have you ever heard of a cappella singing? A cappella singing is singing without the use of instruments. There, it, it happens to be very modern today. Uh, the guy who won the, uh, uh, was it the Grammy Award? He's an a cappella singer. He makes all his own sounds with his own voice. Uh, the Nylons from Toronto, another popular group today, sing without the, the accompaniment. They're a cappella groups. They sang without instruments of music. And so the word salo meant to sing without the accompaniment of in instruments. And it's an interesting background. Originally, the word meant min merely to pluck an instrument. Originally, it meant salo, meant to pluck, you know, like to strum, to pluck an instrument. But then as time went on, it, it went, the word meant not to pluck the instrument, but the song itself. 
When you used the word, it meant you were referring to the song that was being sung. And then in modern times, or in modern times, in New Testament times, the word meant merely to sing the song, not to pluck the instrument or the song itself. It referred to the singing of the song without the instrument. Now, someone says, yeah, but in the Old Testament, they used instruments. You know, psalm. Uh, David is talking about psalms, you know, the tambourine and the lyre and the harp and all this and that. Of course, you're right. In the Old Testament, during David's reign, the temple worship was filled with instruments. I mean, they had bands, they had parades, they had huge parades that went into the temple, everyone playing instruments of music. But you need to realize that was 1,000 years before Jesus Christ. By the time of the Babylonian captivity, which was 400 years after David, around the year 600 uh, BC, synagogues began to be established and musical instruments in Jewish worship began to be eliminated. And you know why? Because the Jews began to see that it was too paganistic. It was, their worship was becoming like the pagans. The pagans were using worship in, um, instruments in their worship. And so the Jews began to eliminate it from their worship. And so by New Testament times, the Jews themselves only sang their worship service did not include any instruments of music. They merely sang during the synagogue. Well, when determining what we should do as Christians, now I've given you the command, I've given you the instruction that the Bible says, I've given you, you know, the, the root word, you know, when Paul said, you sing, he was using a word that the, that the Christians in the New Testament understood meant to sing a cappella without use of an instrument. Okay, I've given you kind of the dry material, but I want to give you the background why um, um, we should follow this example. You see, when determining what we should do as Christian, there's a basic rule that we need to follow. When the Bible specifically tells us by word or example what it is that we should do, then we should do that and not add or subtract anything else. You know, if the Bible says sing and it explains it very clearly, we ought not to add anything to that or take anything away. I'll give you an example. If you go to the restaurant and you say to the waitress, I want a bacon and cheese sandwich. With a, with a coffee, right? You look at the menu and say, I want, a, I want a bacon and cheese sandwich with a cup of coffee, black coffee, please, that's all. Does the waitress say to you, do you mean to say you don't want a hamburger, you don't want an omelet, you don't want a hot dog? Does she have to tell you what you don't want? No, you've told her what you want. If you tell her what you want, it eliminates everything else, right? You've said, I want a bacon and cheese sandwich and coffee. That means that's all I want. Well, it's the same thing in the Bible. When, when God, through the Spirit, tells us in His Word, I want you to sing, that eliminates everything. It eliminates everything else. If we know what to do according to the New Testament, we should just do that and not add to it or take anything away from it. And so um, uh, when we add instruments to singing, we're adding to what God has told us specifically to do. We shouldn't take away singing. You know, if anyone at a, at a meeting says, I think I'm, I don't like to sing. You know, I haven't got a good voice. I get out of breath. It takes up too much time. You know, I mean, it's just, if we just eliminated the singing, we could be out of here 15 minutes earlier and be home for lunch. Good grief, you know? So let's just eliminate it. It wouldn't cost any money for songbooks. We could get rid of the songbook. I mean, it would be nice, you know? Well, why don't we do that? Because the Bible says we should sing. So we're not allowed to take something away where the, where the Word tells us to do something. 
Well, in the same way, if someone says, you know, I think our singing would be a lot better if we added a guitar, a bass, a sax, a nice uh, electric piano, uh, you know, I mean, it would just improve it. Well, that's, you know, you can't take away and you can't add. You just do what it says. And that's so hard today, you know, in our modern society. We're, we're so used to kind of doing our own thing that it's tough to just follow the plan as it has, uh, as it has been given to us. And so if the Bible gave us no teaching on the subject, if we had absolutely no teaching, we could do what we wanted. If, if, if the Bible said nothing about how to praise God, we could figure out any way we wanted to praise God. But the Bible does give us teaching. It tells us to sing. And it tells us what kind of songs, not just any old kind of song, spiritually minded songs and hymns and how to do it. We have to do it with a cheerful heart and make melody with our hearts and sing one to another and sing praises to God. You know? So it gives us a very clear indication on what to do, how to do it, when to do it, why to do it. And our role is not to question and our role is to do it. I know we don't like that. We don't like to do things. But once we understand what it is that we have to do to please God, then the great joy of Christian life is to do it, to actually do it. All right. Well, someone says, well, okay, that's the basic grammatical argument for singing. You know, why do we sing? Well, we sing because the Bible says sing. And do you know that history confirms this? Do you know that um, um, we know that the, that the apostles taught not only by words, but they also taught by the activity of the, old, uh, the early church. In other words, if you, never mind, the, let's say we close the Bible and we just study history. Just history books. You know, there are many historians that wrote about the New Testament church. If you study historians that wrote about the early church, the church that was established by Jesus and the apostles, you'll find out that every historical record of worship described in the early church states that it was forbidden to use instruments. Do you know that? Every record written about the early church when it comes to its worship always states that the early church forbade the usage of instruments of music. You, do you wonder why that is? I'll tell you why. It, it's because the apostles taught them to sing. And when the question of, that came up, should we use tambourine, should we use lyre, should we use harp, should we use these things that all the other religions are using? No. Because they were taught to sing and that's all, that, that's all they did. They understood and they obeyed what the apostles taught them by word and by examples. So someone says, well, where did the organ come in? That was the first musical instrument brought in. Well, the first recorded, or the, the record of the first instrument of music brought into a, quote, Christian context was only in the middle of the seventh century. 700 years went by, the Christian church only sang because they understood what the New Testament said. But in the middle of the seventh century, there was a king who gave a, uh, uh, the gift of an organ. This is, you know, um, historical to uh, the, the then uh, reigning pope. And uh, the instrument was introduced into the Roman church at that time and, and spread from there. But as Christians, we don't do things because other people do things. We don't do things because it's fun or it's convenient. We do things because we want to follow the lead of Jesus Christ. And we do this in great matters as well as small. You know, singing without instruments of music, to me, is not you know, a heaven and hell issue. It is with some people, but my opinion, I'm giving you my opinion now, it's not a heaven and hell issue with me. 
But I'll tell you this, if we cannot be faithful in such a small matter as this, how can God trust us with the weightier matters, with the more important matters? It's an important issue to obey God even in little things. Because if we can't obey Him in small things, how can we be trusted to obey Him in the... If we can't get this right, how can we get the other things right as well? It's not enough just to understand how we should properly worship God. But we understand also why we should worship. So I don't want to just set a negative tone, you know. I don't want to just go, we got to just sing, we got to just sing. Yeah, we do have to just sing. Why? Because the Bible teaches us when we gather together to praise God, our praise should take its form in the form of vocal singing. Okay? Yeah, that's why we do it. And we can defend that biblically. But why do we do that? You know, why should we... Why should we praise God? That, 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 that's the motivation behind it. Well, we should praise God, first of all, to praise Him, to tell Him how wonderful He is. You know, when you love somebody, you know, have you ever been in love? I guess not. Everybody's either sleeping here or what. Have you ever been in love? Amen. How many here are in love now? All right, not all the hands went up. All right. When you are in love, what is it that you want to do to that partner of yours? You want to tell him, don't you? And you get all mushy and gucky and you say dumb things. Oh, you're so sweet. I love you. And you, and you make all these kinds of great promises. That, I'm going to love you forever, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then she asks you to take out the garbage. Oh, me? Take out the garbage? You know. Right? But when you love somebody, you want to tell them. You want to show them. Well, when you've got a human physical person... It's almost natural, right? You want to touch them, hold them, speak to them, do things for them. But, but when we gather together, we want to praise God. We want to show Him our love. He's a spirit. You know, we can't touch Him. We can, what can we give Him? Can we give Him money? Can we do Him a favor, take Him out to a movie? You know, we can't, you know, we can't do anything. How do we show our love to, to a spirit that we really do love? How do we show it? Well, look at Psalm in the Old Testament, if you've got your Bible, in Psalms chapter 47, or Psalm 47 if you prefer. In Psalm 47, listen to what, what David says. Now David had a lot to love God about. He was king, he had been rescued time and time again from, from, uh, from uh, danger. God had forgiven him for his sin with Bathsheba, you know, over and over again. So what is, what is David? How does David say it? He says, Oh, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with a voice of joy. For the Lord Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdues people under his feet and nations under our feet. And he chooses our inheritance for us, the glory of Jacob whom he loves. And God has ascended with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. God reigns over the nation. God sits on His holy throne. The princes of the peoples have assembled themselves as the people of the God of Abraham for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. David was impressed with God. He was impressed with Him. And he expressed himself in song. He shouted out his song. David wrote all these psalms here because he was impressed with God. He wanted to show him how much he loved him. 
Well, in the New Testament, when we have that feeling, more importantly, when we're called together as a people of God and want to express our feeling, we do that with song. Singing is a way to express our reaction to the blessings and the power of God. You know, if on a sunny day in August you were to look directly up into the sun, what would be your reaction? Your reaction would be to cover your eyes, right? Because the sunlight would blind you. A natural reaction to cover your eyes. Well, in the same way, when you come before the Lord Jesus Christ, when you come in the presence of God, when you begin to recognize the things that He has done for you, the natural reaction, just like my reaction is to cover my eyes, the natural reaction is to break out in a song of praise. And the way that the New Testament tells us that is acceptable to praise God is to do it with singing. Praise is a direct response to the knowledge of God, and singing is the most natural and biblical ac acceptable way to express this praise. And so we need to recognize that the reason we sing is to praise God. That's the reason we sing, to praise God. You know, the word worship in the Greek means to, to kiss forward. You know this idea, I send you a kiss? That's, that's the Greek idea of worship, to, to, to kiss forward. Well, we kiss forward, we kiss God with our praise. And the way we praise in an acceptable manner is by singing. So that's why we sing. It's an acceptable manner of praising God. Secondly, we, we sing in order to give thanks. In Ephesians chapter 5, I want to read you something. In Ephesians chapter 5, we see an, an example of, of the giving of thanks. Ephesians chapter 5. Notice he says in verse 19 and 20, you know, I read this passage before, down in verse 20, he says, always giving thanks for all things. You know, the, the singing, he says, sing, make melodies, spiritual songs, that's the way to give thanks. You want to say thank you to God? Gather together and sing spiritual songs to His name. You see, singing hymns is a spiritual action that expresses thanksgiving for spiritual blessings we receive. It's a spiritual way to say thank you to a spiritual being. Okay, remember I said you can't take God to the movies. You've got to find a, a spiritual way to say thank you to a spiritual being. And singing praises is that spiritual thing that says thank you to a spiritual being. For what? Say thank you for what? Well, we've mentioned it in our prayers. All of our physical blessings come from God. But we have spiritual blessings too. Who, who, who forgives our sins? God does. And who has promised us resurrection from the dead? God does. And who has given us eternal life by putting His Spirit inside of us? God has. And who gives us strength to get through the rough moments? God does. These things are worthy to give thanks for. And so spiritual gifts are given by a spiritual being and there needs to be a spiritual way to say thank you. And singing praises is the spiritual way to say thank you to a spiritual being. And then thirdly, and finally, singing. Why do we sing? We sing for encouragement. We sing in order to encourage each other. Let's look at Acts, final scripture. Acts channel, ch chapter 16, please. Acts chapter 16. I need to give you the background here because I, I don't have time to read the whole passage, so I'll just very quickly give you the background. 
Paul and Silas are in Philippi and they're preaching the gospel and there's a young girl following them who's possessed by a, by a kind of a spirit and she's causing trouble and at one point Paul turns and he casts the spirit out of this uh, young girl and more or less heals her but the people who were kind of manipulating this girl, you know she was telling fortunes and prophesying and so on and so forth, you know reading palms and all that kind of stuff. The people who were making money with her were leaders in the city and they were very angry with Paul and so they kind of created a riot you know to 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 throw Paul and Silas into prison and so when we read in verse 19 in Acts 16 we pick up the story where the riot is starting so it says but when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities and when they had brought them to the chief magistrates they said these men are throwing our city into confusion being Jews and are proclaiming customs which are not lawful for us to accept or observe uh, being Romans. And the crowd rose up together against them and the chief magistrates tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, after, after uh, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, do you think these guys are in trouble? I mean, this is not the era of civil rights, you know? I mean, Paul couldn't say, hey, I want my rights, you know? Forget your rights, buddy. You're lucky we didn't kill you right there in the, in the square. We're, we're, we're prolonging your life a little bit. I mean, they're in trouble. They've got no lawyer, no friends, no money, no defense, no nothing. They've been humiliated publicly. Can you imagine? You know what? You go to McDonald's, and the girl serves the guy who's behind you before you, and what do you do? You get all insulted. Well, I, he, I was before him, and you get excited, and boy, man, I'm never coming back to this. But you know, you get all puffy and, uh, and hurt, right? Because <laughs> somebody at McDonald's served somebody a hamburger 30 seconds before you. What if for no reason at all, they took you out in the middle of, of Sherbrooke Street here, ripped your clothes off, and give you 39 lashes with a whip? for nothing. How, 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 how would you feel then? And then they took you, no court, no trial, no nothing. They just manhandled you, put you into a dungeon in a basement, no light, no air, just a wet, damp place, and put chains on you and put you in a stock. You know what a stock is, eh? Those things where they put your feet in and, and closed you there, shut the door, and just walked away. How would you feel? I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd be lonely. <laughs> I'd be lonely for my mommy. <laughs> yeah, they were in big trouble, I'd say. They were in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. Now let's read the next verse. It says, But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to praise God. To praise God? Praise God. I'd be there. Oh, God, help. What did I do? Why did I get into this work in the first place? I should have become a dentist like it was my first idea. You know? Make some... Oh, you like that one, eh? That's good. Well, we're reaching everybody this morning. <laughs> you know, that's what I'd be doing. You know, I'd be praying God, or I'm saying, God, get me out of this place, you know? What were they doing? They were singing and they were praising God, probably because they had the very great honor to suffer on account of the name of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 26 it says, And suddenly there came a great earthquake, 
so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. And the story goes on and on to say that the jailer who had put him in jail was so impressed that he himself was converted and became a Christian. And that very night he was, he was baptized. But that's not the point. The point I'm trying to show you here is that we sing for encouragement's sake. We sing for encouragement's sake. You know, is there nothing better to lift up a sad heart than to sing praises to the Lord? Is there anything better? Is there anything better for your soul than to sing praises to God? Are we not all prisoners of this world? Are we not all prisoners of the frustrations of this world, the temptations of this world, the discouragements of this world? Are we not all prisoners of the darkness of ignorance of this world? Are we not all prisoners of the mean-spiritedness of this world? Are we not all prisoners of death, our own death? Are we not all the same kind of prisoners that Paul was in this prison? And when we sing together like Paul and like Silas, don't the walls of tension and the walls of fear and the walls of anger come tumbling down around us? I want to tell you something. It's hard to, it's hard to hate somebody that you're sitting next to singing praises to God with. The only time there's no argument in the church is when everybody's singing. If we could just keep people singing 12 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, <laughs> there wouldn't be any arguing, there wouldn't be any fighting, there wouldn't be any jealousy, there wouldn't be any fear. There wouldn't be any, you know, nitpicking, as we say. When our hearts and our mouths are filled with songs of praise and thanksgiving, there is no room for argument, there are no thought. I cannot think a hateful thought while I'm singing glory be to God with all my heart and soul. And so when I hear my voice and your voice mingling in song, I can actually feel our unity and our common purpose, and I am encouraged. I'm encouraged to hear your voice next to mine singing the same thoughts and the same sounds uh, as you. Why it's so important that families worship together. Not just here, but at home. You know, I, I get a lot of calls, uh, families that are in trouble or their tension and so on and so forth. And I wonder, I've never asked this question, but maybe I should. I should ask them, when was the last time you had a family devotional at your house? When was the last time mom and dad and the kids sat down, pulled out some songs and sang together and prayed together for each other? Boy, that would break a lot of tension. I know my wife and I have done that many times in the past. The kids have gone to bed. It's been a long, it's been like a, we're shell-shocked from, from a week of just, you know, non-stop whatever, just like at your house. The phone's ringing off the wall, and there's problems and this and that, and we're just sh absolutely shell-shocked. You know, it's 10 o'clock. Finally, the last one's asleep. We have four kids. The last one's asleep. We look around the house, you know, and we look at each other, and... And, it would, and sometimes it's tempting to say, well, we'll make ourselves feel better. We'll watch the news. <laughs> but on those moments when we're really inspired, we don't do that. We take out a songbook and we spend a half hour and we sing. We just sing five or six songs and we pray. The strength comes. Somehow God is able to fill our hearts with encouragement because we have raised our voices in confidence and in praise to Him in song. 
Okay, let's just summarize all this, the, the things that we've said. Why do we sing? Why do we sing? Lachine Church of Christ, I don't care about the... Why do we do it here? Well, we sing because God has commanded us to use this form of expression in order to offer Him worship. And we sing in order to praise Him, to thank Him, and to encourage one another. We know that when we gather here on Sunday mornings to praise God through song, we are doing it His way. And we are absolutely sure that our worship is not in vain. And so this lesson will make a difference in your spiritual lives. I hope it does. Only if you realize and accept that what we do here when we sing is something commanded by God. It's not a church doctrine. It's a Bible doctrine. It's a godly doctrine. And so when you do sing, you should do it with as much effort and care and expertise as you possibly can. And that means that when you gather here to sing Wednesday night, Sunday night, Sunday, whenever, devos at your house, then I want those who lead singing to choose their songs carefully and to lead respectfully. God's people in worship. And I want you to remember to pay attention physically how you're going to sing and mentally look at the words. Pay attention to what you're doing. You're worshiping Almighty God. You're not just passing time. And please do your best on every selection. If we do this, our worship will not be in vain and our prayers will be heard and we will come away from services spiritually satisfied and refreshed. Well, one way to get on the right track of all this singing business, and I come back to the beginning, is to participate next weekend. If you want to learn how to sing better and why and improve overall performance, not to impress God, but rather to offer to God something which is better, then I encourage you to be here next weekend. Now, I haven't preached the gospel this morning. This isn't the gospel, folks. This is about singing. What does the Bible teach about worship? Worship should be done through singing from a sincere heart. I haven't preached the gospel. I haven't told you that Jesus Christ died to take away the debt of sin. I haven't said that in order to be saved, that an individual needs to believe in Jesus Christ and, and turn away from sin and be buried in the waters of baptism to wash away sin and to, to walk in a new life. I haven't, I haven't given that message but I've given it many times in the past. Most of you here know the message. Most of you here have responded and are walking in the light, but there may be some who have not yet confessed openly their faith in Christ, who have not yet taken the decision to be, to be baptized, at which point the, the, the sins are washed away and the Spirit is given, have not made the decision to fully give themselves to Christ. And I think the latter is true. There may be some who are not yet Christians among us, but there may be others who have not, you know, they've gone through all of this, but they have not yet given their entire heart to Jesus Christ. If you don't give your entire heart to Jesus Christ, you can't fully praise God. If you don't give your entire heart to Jesus Christ, you can't fully know God. And if you don't know God, you can't live eternally. If you're among that number, if you need to confess Christ, if you need to be restored to uh, your first love, which is Jesus, if you need the prayers of the church for illness or spiritual weakness, whatever your need, we usually choose a song at the end of our service, and while we're singing this song, if anyone has a need to come forward, we encourage you to do so. And I'll ask Michael to come forward now, please, and to lead us in that final song.